0: Hey, it's the BoJack Horse Friends. Hello, hi, how's it going, everybody? We are the BoJack Horse Friends. My name is Ben, and I am Ashton, and we have a super special horse friend on with us today, Celine.
1: Hi, <laughs> hi, I'm- hi, Hello. Celine.
2: You're our special horse friend. Ah, oh, thank Hooray. you so
1: much. I'm so I'm so grateful to be a horse friend today. <laughs> <laughs> you, say that, you
2: say that at the beginning of the recording. We'll see how you feel at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Things you never thought you would say was I'm so happy to be a special horse friend. It's Probably like very
2: high on that list.
1: I, I was just planning it the whole time. It was just my <laughs> one wish.
2: That goes on the CV now. So officially a horse friend.
0: And so, yeah, today we're going to be talking about Bojack season one, episode five, Live Fast Diane Nguyen, uh, which I've been practicing my pronunciation (laughs) and probably still (laughs) wrecked it to death. Um, So, if if the the, the anglicized pronunciation is Nguyen.
1: Uh, In uh, Vietnamese, it's pronounced Nguyen.
2: Nguyen. Okay, cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm getting there.
2: They like they don't even say it correctly on the show. No, they don't. They don't do they they.
1: say it correctly on the show.
0: No, uh, which is you know kind of what we're here to talk about today, which is really cool. So yeah, Celine, could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: All right. Um- yeah, I'd be happy to. So uh, I am a Vietnamese-Chinese actor and writer, and I'm based in Auckland. Uh, I can- I'm currently studying acting uh, over in Australia at an institution called NIDA, but I'm Which is so here. awesome that
2: you got into NIDA, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
0: NIDA's like the best oh,
1: thank drama school you. In,
0: like, <laughs> in the local No, I'm very grateful. So. <laughs> very,
1: very grateful indeed. It's been... For the, for the couple months that I did get to spend there prior to uh, COVID-19 and lockdown, it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Truly, just like such, such inspirational teachers and tutors, you know, they really want you to succeed. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very oh, grateful yeah. for that.
2: Oh, that's amazing. I'm sure if I had worked harder, I would have loved to have gone to Niger. <laughs> like, when I was younger, I was like, that's where I want to go. And then I was like, but that's a lot of work. So I'll go to Unitech. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> was. It
1: definitely was my dream. And because you had to audition in person. So I had to fly over there, uh, fly over to Brisbane to audition. And I was just so, so grateful uh, to have gotten in. Yeah, and that's no, amazing
0: it's to, to get in straight out of high school.
1: Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we're
2: stoked, stoked to have someone who is undergoing such awesome training joining us on our humble and fucking stupid podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: we're stoked, eh? Hey? You're definitely, like, the probably the most talented person here, so.
1: Oh, no, Okay. <laughs> We'll take a couple respect steps back from that. No, thank no you so pressure, much. No pressure,
2: but you better, you better <laughs> fucking excel in this podcast.
1: <laughs> I will be sending
2: it to the Dean of NIDA. Okay, okay letting, gotcha. You know.
1: I'll put my active voice on.
0: <laughs> uh, so we're going to do something a little bit different this time. Uh, Ashton and I are going to do a very quick recap of the plot from beginning to end, and we're going to do one each to kind of see, you know, kind of compare and contrast and see what things stuck out to us. Uh, I might as well go first, if that's all right with you, Ash.
2: I would, I would love it if you went first, then That is so all
0: right with me. Yay. Thanks. Thank you
2: for checking, though. I really appreciate the level of respect you've come to have for me on this podcast. <laughs> well,
0: I have to respect you somewhere. Um, <laughs> Diane's dad has died, and she needs to go to Boston to offer her condolences, in quotes, whatever that means. Bojack tags along and tries to live out his own family fantasy through Diane's brothers, but realises that Diane is actually more like a family to him than they will ever be. She ends up being the one to look after everything around the death because her family are useless and toxic, and even after she organises and pays for the funeral, they all decide not to turn up, turn their dad's corpse into chum, so that they can throw it in Derek Jeter's stupid face.
2: Nice. (laughs) Nice. I realize now. I realize now. The way I did it was like not wanting to ruin the episode. Mine's almost like a Netflix blurb, which kind of defeats the purpose of letting the people listening know what happens in the podcast. So I'm glad you did the task that we agreed to do the way we agreed to do it because I didn't. Um, so mine is Diane's dead dad dies. <laughs> Great start. Awesome. Um. Uh, diane's dead dad dies and her family finally make her snap todd makes money by renting out tours of bojack's house as if it belongs to an actual celebrity (laughs) and bojack as always is happy when people stroke his ego even though it makes things even worse for diane when he tries to help
0: great Uh, yeah i think the combination of our two they really get to the heart of things
2: Mine's um, almost like this week in Woman's Weekly. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought about. <laughs> Woman Next talks time. to dead husband's ghost, who she's sleeping <laughs> with. <laughs>
0: so yeah, uh, as always, we get a little bit of a cold open. Uh, Diane going through airport security really quickly, no issues because she basically follows the instructions. While mm-hmm. Bojack is arguing with the uh, with the customs officer because he has a full flask of whiskey and a lighter shaped like a gun.
2: <laughs> which, and, uh, um, I love it when Diane gets through and Bojack's like, how did you get through so I quickly? Know. She's like, I follow the, the basic rules. requirements for air travel that have been in place for over a decade. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's exactly it, yeah. But there's nothing more
2: annoying than people, and you can spot them when you're at the airport. You can spot the people that you're like, please don't be on my flight. I know. Because yeah. you know they're going to do everything. Like, you know when they call rows, like, the back rows first? They're always the ones that get up, even if they're sitting at the front of the plane and, like...
1: Or who go to the bathroom whilst it's, like, whilst we're taxiing or, like, whilst we're about yeah, to yeah. land.
2: No. Uh, yeah, no. Bojack is that. And, and they're... Their hand luggage is comical, like, it's like, you, you that's not hand luggage. <laughs> and yeah.
0: they can't, they can't carry, it. it's got like six tons of like bricks or meth in it or something. So they're like trying to hoist it over their shoulders into the, to the top. And they're like, oh, it's like, get on my way. My seat's right. I can see my seat. I can see it. Um, I, I, I was about like 18 uh, back in 2005 and I uh, did Camp America.
1: Oh, that's what I was wanting to do, actually, yes.
0: Yeah, it was great. I mean, night is better, but it was (laughs) great fun. Uh, And I went to, uh, on the way back, I went through JFK Airport. And I was like, okay, I should probably, like, I checked my baggage. And then I thought to myself, I'll just go through my backpack just to make sure, like, everything's okay. And so I sit down... Uh, and I open my bag, my backpack, and I look inside and I'm like, looking through. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's There's fine.
2: There's a semi-automatic machine gun to add <laughs> 400 dildos in there.
0: <laughs> not quite. No. close,
1: close. <laughs> not close. quite. Only
0: like three dildos. But there, uh, there was actually like a, an eight-inch hunting knife oh in my bag. And keep in mind, this is 2005. We're talking four years after 9-11 and <gasps> the same year as the London bombings. And so what had happened was uh, because I was working as a counselor at a camp, one of the kids had come up to me and been like, "I found this knife." And he's not Australian. He's like, (laughs) "I found this knife." And I was like, like, "Oh man!" (laughs) I found this knife,
2: counselor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was like, "Okay, I better hand that in, Uh, and I'll I'll just lock it away in my bag for now because I had a padlock on my bag just to." um, (laughs) Well, I was in a I was in a cabin with kids. I didn't want to like. You know. Anyway, so um, yeah. I didn't want them to get to my dildos, so uh, I <laughs> put the knife away in my bag, and then I, yeah, so I, 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 I remembered all of this. So I was like, oh shit! So I kind of zipped my bag up, and I'm like, looking left, looking right. 18 years old. This is the first time I've left the country since I was four. I'm by myself. I was like, fuck! So I like managed to find a, a bin, like sidle up to it, and just surreptitiously like drop the knife in the bin. My goodness! Oh my and- god, bin. I know. Imagine if I hadn't checked. Imagine if I tried to go through security.
1: With Man. this big machete.
2: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, you're lucky that that kid at the camp, though, wasn't like, I found this knife and this hockey mask. And, it's like, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> and this gun <laughs> and you dildos. <laughs> and this blood soaked rag. Yeah. Did I, Ben, did I ever tell you about the time that um, the Armed Defenders Squad got sent out after me because on the way home from rehearsal when I was like 15, um, my mate who was driving me home had a, a metal BB gun in his car and I pretended to shoot people out the window with it? <laughs> and they. So um, stupid. Taped... <laughs> hey, I'd just been rehearsing a Midsummer Night's Dream. I was in a weird place. Um, And (laughs) when they hear a complaint of a gun, they just send the undefenders defenders out. And if they find you, they'll drag you from the car with the guns pointing at you because they don't know what the risk is. Fortunately, that didn't happen. But I had to go into the police station with my dad and give a statement and stuff. And my mate was like, I don't want them to take this BB gun off me. It cost me 200 bucks. And I was like, fair enough. So we got another gun that made a, when you pulled the trigger, it went. (laughs) And we took that to the police and told them that was the gun and they laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Is lying Uh, to the police a crime still? (laughs) uh, (laughs) Because I just realized I've said that on a recording now.
0: (laughs) uh, That's okay. If the police listen to this, uh, to any police listening to this, That was a joke. This is entertainment, not news.
1: (laughs) We're just actors. But yeah, then I
2: I changed my name to Ashton Brown and I've been fine since then.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh, I hated BB guns. I used to play with them all the time as a kid because I've got an older brother who's like five Uh, years older than me. And so I was really influenced by all the things that he did. And we had this, we had a trampoline when we were younger and it had the netting around it. And it oh, yeah, oh, yeah. was so stupid. And he shot it and for some reason it bounced up against the uh, the netting and it hit me square and like right <laughs> beneath my eye. Oh, oh my gosh. I was so lucky I was blinded that day. <laughs>
2: Oh, oh I God. reckon, and do you know, if it had hit your eye, every parent in New Zealand would have used that yeah, as a story yeah, to yeah. explain why BB, because you know how all parents have that story, like, my neighbour's kid got her eye oh, taken 100%. out by yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. would have been that example, like pulling out someone's chair. My neighbour's kid broke their back when someone did that to them. You know,
1: it's it's because I'm Asian. I have Asian parents, so it's like a, no, you can't get a boyfriend. What if he brings a baby gun and shoots you in the eye? <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be something, it'll be something so spontaneous and irrelevant, but they'll use it. They'll use it. Is it, a, is it a
2: Kiwi thing? And I don't know, to have. Because you guys both grew up here, obviously, as, as I did. Um, did you guys ever make those pipe guns with, like, the dishwasher glove on the end that you pull back and fire pellets out of?
0: I, I was aware of them, but my family was always very, very anti gun. No, I don't so. think
1: so. I made slingshots when I was younger
0: yeah I made oh, that's shops. pretty
2: that's pretty badass yeah i know well Thanks. i mean
0: they were they were <laughs> mine were like you know v-shaped twigs that would like immediately snap as soon as i tried to pull it but i don't know I like why I we had
1: cool. some we had actual ones i think that my parents brought home from uh vietnam oh
0: shit oh my Your god it's a badass
1: i know and so we we have this like little rock garden in the backyard and so we set up, like, pieces of paper, see if we could get the rock through the paper. <laughs> uh,
2: to, to be fair, though, Ben didn't need a slingshot because he had an eight-inch hunting that's knife. That's right, that's just right. Just tucked away. <laughs> if you brought out a BB gun, he'd just stab you. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: Di- Diane is uh, interesting. Like this, this episode, this is how it works. We'll just like
2: randomly. Yeah. By stop the way, Ben's the job, um, Celine, is to make sure that me and you don't just ramble about everything other than the show. Yeah. So Ben will quite <laughs> often be like, "Hey guys, we we are going to keep talking oh, about right. the point of the podcast." <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah. This is a very Diane-heavy episode. We learn a little bit about Diane. We learn she's a, a, um, a PBR, Public Broadcast Radio. Mm. P- PBR, pbr pbs pbr uh, american listener because ira glass is the voice of her phone um which i love as a big fan of this american life uh, are you a podcast person uh, celine
1: i actually am not i am oddly enough <laughs> i really want to be a screen actor or i really would love to be a theater actor however i don't consume any type of media Ever like <laughs> barely anything like I don't watch film uh, no or, or TV. I don't watch YouTube. I don't listen to podcasts. Uh, and kind of theatre. What do you do? I, yeah, what do you, what like do, to do you do? I don't. I don't. No way. I do a lot books. of writing. I, I write a lot of poetry. Oh cool. Um I Do don't you even read, read, much read poetry. No. No, 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 I don't. Which is so She's bad. like, "No, fuck that. I fucking hate poetry." <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me feel better because I'm an actor who doesn't really go to the theater at all, but I watch a lot of TV and film. See, so, I go to the theater
1: yeah. quite a bit, but I don't oh, watch okay. um film and TV very much. I don't have any um kind of inspirations because I don't know any.
2: Celine, you're Gen Z. I am indeed. So do you, you know, you're on the bloody TikToks. I don't about. have
1: I don't have it. What is wrong <laughs> with
2: you? <laughs> I, don't I mean I, obviously I don't have it. I'm thirty three. I don't <laughs> even know how to download it, but
0: I think there's the two kinds of, of Gen Z, right? Like there's the the Gen Z who's like, Yeah, let's do let's do TikTok dances and,
1: and yeah. um
0: buy fancy water bottles and then there's like the other <laughs> gen Z who are just kind of like yeah no we, we, we're past that now like we, yeah. we're pulling away i don't
1: know it's not i don't i don't think it's all that but i understand how people can get addicted to it it's pretty fun and i like the kind of musicality and like dancing aspect and you know just kids wanting to be actors and getting tiktok famous so i, I get yeah, it yeah, yeah, every kid fun. wants
2: to be
0: a youtuber now eh? every kid wants
1: I to be a, YouTuber. be a youtuber now <laughs> oh, i would love to be
2: a youtuber but again it takes too much work and i don't have an interest in working too hard <laughs>
0: so uh yeah and and so like the, we're learning a lot about diane diane's uh bojack says is too functional and so you know mm. that's kind of very much the the launch line for the rest of this episode where we find out her dad dies and she has like no reaction
2: yeah because bojack says to the publisher he doesn't know if diane is damaged enough to tell his story oh my gosh (laughs) yeah that really made me think you know what do we feel about this notion that artists have to be damaged in order to create art about about damaged concepts or about like You know, for art to be really deep, does it have to come from a place of of damage and negativity? What do you guys think?
1: Because I, I, last year I did a show at the Basement Theatre in Auckland called Fleshies, um, and it was directed by Bryony Skellington, and Fleshies was all about body shaming and that kind of realm of... And so a lot of the people, there was about 20 of us in the show, and we managed to feel comfortable enough to all share our stories, Uh, and a lot of people had really suffered... Uh, with their body image and I, I felt odd for being there because I was very fortunate that I hadn't suffered with a lot of body image issues growing up so yeah. you know it but I wanted to be there to share the story as well because I could acknowledge it and I understood them and they needed a platform and I wanted to be there to help share that story and so I again I'm not necessarily damaged or you know, suffering in that type of realm of body image uh, or body dysmorphia. But I thought I would love to um, sh- help share the story. So I-, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with people not, you know, having to be damaged in order to share. Mm. I,
0: mean, I-, I can say without any kind of hesitancy at all that my damage has only ever, like, taken away from my creativity, to be honest. Oh, maybe that's it's my interesting man. particular kind of damage but when i'm feeling more damaged like i have less motivation i have oh, less, absolutely like less uh, although i might f- have i might feel creative and want to create what i create tends to be quite trite and like quite like bland whereas when i'm feeling motivated because i i mean i think a lot of the creativity is in the editing process and i think you need to be motivated and Um, for me anyway, I need to be motivated and excited and thoughtful and to be able to, to go through with that process.
2: I think it's really important as well that, you know, creative people shouldn't feel like they can only... Uh, reflect on the self like their own journey yes. I think it's really important that we have the right, uh, well not the right but as Celine was saying the the interest to to help tell a story that isn't necessarily like, it doesn't have to be a story that they take ownership of mm. but it doesn't mean that it's not one that they can't be a part of telling and I think that that's part of what being a creative person is as long as we are, are listening to the voices that that you know, that is their journey and using that to shape what we're presenting, I think is mm. really important.
1: Yeah, and it's helping us grow and learn as well. It's really, oh, important. really, really important. I mean, if
2: if we're only ever sharing what we know from having lived it, then the line of creativity is almost becoming this non fiction thing.
0: Exactly. You're right, but we also do have to be really, really sensitive to the way that we're portraying it, because oh, hundred like, percent. Have you guys, you guys, seen that like the meme online? It's men writing women.
1: Oh my yeah. gosh! Yes, one hundred percent. I know exactly <laughs> what you're so on good. about. It's it's like this fetishization of women being quirky or cute or sexy or whatever from the lens of men, you know, yeah. and not just kind of yeah. human.
0: It's like you know, Marianne walked into the room, her her boobs preceding her <laughs> slender body. Yeah, she yeah. knew she was sexual, but she wasn't sexual in a sexual way, I know, more of in a self-aware exactly, sexuality yeah. with her boobs. It it's really, like, oh my gosh. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it feeds into something. Yeah,
0: yeah. And if they had just said, like, okay, what do you think about this particular passage to a woman? You know, there's a good chance that that, that whole passage would have oh, gone very different.
2: I mean, there's a difference between telling a story that you haven't lived and being so arrogant that you don't ask <laughs> for any outside input when you're writing about characters that you've never experienced oh the journey of. Yeah. yeah.
1: See, that ties in perfectly with season five, in the episode where Diane goes back to Hanoi, because that whole episode, Alison Bree wrote her lines for Diane going back to Vietnam because she did her own research. Uh, but there's right. still there's still right. a line in the sense that she talked a lot about her ancestral roots, like as a Vietnamese person going back to Vietnam and learning about her ancestral roots. And so I appreciate the research being done, but it, it still makes me somewhat uncomfortable hearing her say that because she can never do it herself. She can't be a Vietnamese person having gone back to Vietnam and learn about mm. her ancestral roots. Mm. It's yeah. almost as if, ah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah.
0: And I definitely have a lot to say, you know, in this, in that context as well. Mm. We do meet Diane's parents pretty early on or Diane's family pretty early on. Um, Before that happens, like, should we just get the Todd sideline out of the way? Because I feel like it's just going to be sitting there.
2: Yeah, yeah, let's let's deal with the Todd sideline because it's really just a, a silly little story on the side to sort of even out the storytelling in this episode. Uh,
0: what I did like is that at the beginning, <laughs> Bojack basically says to Todd, do nothing! And then he drops an egg and he's like, yeah. well, seal's broken. And like, to me, that really kind of captured why abstinence only education doesn't work. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. don't have sex. Don't do drugs. Just don't do it. And then someone takes a puff of weed and they're like, hey, that's, that's kind of nice. Now. <laughs> yeah. So we move on to like David Bore... He pretends Bojack's house is David Boreanaz. And there's this great joke, running joke. That's a, an interesting commentary on the interchangeable white man where... They can't remember what show he's actually from Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah Um, I mean,
2: that's also a commentary on David Boreanaz Yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) They go through, I think, like five different shows
2: He was Angel on Buffy and then Angel on Angel And
0: then was he in Bones? He was in Bones, yeah, and I thought that was great. I love him in Angel. I love Angel.
2: I love Buffy. See, I, I never got into those shows. Eh, those are um Joss Whedon's early work. Eh, yeah,
0: yeah, uh, great, great shows. Love them. And what I thought was a bit sad though was that yeah, he was actually in Bones, uh, and there was that little line because the female lead in Bones is Emily Deschanel. Yes, and then so there's a a line at some sister. point where they go what's his what's that show he's from new girl and i was like oh (laughs) poor emily deschanel (laughs) (laughs) because new girl obviously stars the other deschanel sister anyway alison brie speaking of cultural appropriation also plays the australian koala who says he's like the american hugh jackman yeah
1: yeah i was like i was like that is not an aussie accent I mean, it's, it's, it's an American person's interpretation on what an Aussie accent is.
0: Not even the good one. No, not at all. The, the, there's, I, I guess, like at this point, oh, we've kind of gotten into the episode a little bit. I want to ask, like, is there any part of you that relates to Diane, the character?
1: I think Diane, as a character, she's a very strong, very independent woman, and I really appreciate that. And it's really hard seeing her have to go back to her family um you know a support system that you're supposed to have throughout your life and they just oh my gosh absolutely shit on her and just treat her (laughs) so awfully so kind of not in that aspect of it i don't i don't think i can relate much to diane but i can acknowledge her struggle um especially as an only girl in a family of like what like four men and yeah and her like misogynist mother (laughs) yeah yeah Uh,
0: that's interesting there was uh, a a moment on the drive towards to Boston where she is in the car and she says I've always wanted to be Chelsea Clinton but with my hair I know that like hair can often be a very important cultural Mm. signifier and I read that like in Vietnamese culture traditionally having very long straight thick hair is quite it is, Desirable. yeah,
1: and I think that line stood out to me as well just because I know that Diane is, what, third-generation Vietnamese. She doesn't know any Vietnamese. Her, her parents don't know any, and it's what I feel a lot of Asian kids who grow up in Western countries uh, kind of struggle with in the sense that you feel this duality of identity that you can't necessarily – you look Asian and you can only speak English or – you know, you look Asian and you go back to your home country and you're just a tourist and you're seen as white. But it makes me really sad as an Asian person who is really in touch with her roots that you would want to look like a white person or mm. just like look not how you are. And so it's it's difficult because I understand that people don't necessarily want to embrace their culture. And that resonates with me and my younger self of not wanting to embrace my Vietnamese culture and kind of the same way that diane has somewhat insinuated in that line alone mm. yeah
0: i thought it was an interesting part because she's saying she wants to be like chelsea clinton like this white bread whiter than white girl exactly but that she wants to keep her hair which is such uh her hair is very traditionally vietnamese yes. in many ways in, yes in the beginning of the show so it was kind of like like you say representing that duality of like uh, what does she want You know, as if you could,
1: as if you could pick and choose all the best parts of both things. Like I want to keep my hair, but I want my skin to be white and I want my eyes to be blue.
0: Yeah, and we'll put best things in quotes.
2: This is really interesting for me to be listening to because I just realised that later on in the show when Diane cuts her hair, I never realised, being the uncultured swine that I am, (laughs) the the implications that her cutting her hair actually have in terms of the way her character's shifting.
1: I actually just think her cutting her hair might not ha- have anything to do with her cultural roots and might just be kind of like a breakdown type of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah so it could be yeah. deeper, but we-, we don't know.
0: I guess it's it maybe not necessarily about breaking away from her cultural roots, but maybe you know, it was a big part of who she was. Yeah, yeah. As well as all of those things that were not necessarily taking away her power, but didn't allow her to express herself
1: fully. fully. yeah
0: uh the house was never hers really. It was always what Mr. Peanut Butter wanted. So getting out of that house and cutting off her long feminine hair as well, kind of distancing herself from the more submissive role. Mm. If if that makes sense. Mm. Not that I see her as a particularly submissive person, but
2: another thing that came just shifting the conversation slightly, Diane's really good at well not really good but she doesn't hold back how she feels about her dad when he was alive and it hasn't changed just because he's died i really struggle with the fact that people especially in this age of social media they oversell how they feel about someone Mm, i agree completely uh, when they've died and i feel like a lot of the time it's super disingenuous and it's for the sake of, like, that social media attention. And I, I really hate that. Me
1: too. <laughs> trying to get sympathy or trying to get pity from people so you exaggerate a relationship that wasn't as strong as you are you know, making it out to be. And that's really sad. And so I really respect Diane in that. Oh, Yeah, same. I really do.
2: I I really like that she even and it comes up several times throughout the episode, even when she's talking to the to the funeral director, he sort of says, We've got the my dad's a piece of shit package. <laughs> um, and she goes, Oh, that even is too good for him and he flicks the page in the in the brochure and he's like, "Ah, oh, you're looking for our my dad is a piece of shit package is still too good a package for my dad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And the funeral director is a maggot, uh, which is very... Yes, the funeral director is a maggot, which I obviously oh, that's so love. so
1: funny. That was so funny.
0: W- what did you think about the the family as a whole, their their rejection of their Vietnamese-ness? Even though the dad is a, as we learn in the, the later episode, he's a lecturer in Vietnamese studies. Oh my
1: gosh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so her um, wanting to find out about her past was great. I thought it was it was such a nice touch for them to put in the show. I'm very lucky. My dad's my dad is a refugee from the Vietnam War. And so he's mm-hmm. taught me a lot about my own culture. But I think it's really interesting that your parents know so much and they've endured so much trauma and struggle and hardship that almost Asian parents don't want to have to tell their children about all of that and about what they struggled with, about the war and whatnot, because it's scary and you don't want your children to have to know that you've gone through that. Parents want to protect not only their children, but themselves and their own trauma that they suffered through with all those awful experiences. And so I completely get it. But I also, it makes me sad, obviously, seeing such a rejection of Vietnamese culture. I also did... Further research on the voice actors of the family, and it made me sad. I mean, they're not great characters, anyways. They're, the all the brothers are kind of dickheads, but yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. The they're, they're, they're great. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> the the brothers and the mum are all voiced by white voice actors as well, and so it yeah. really kind of it it disappoints me because in this day and age, when we're able to create shows and include diversity that you put a Vietnamese character in almost for tokenism's sake, and then you don't cast a vietnamese or asian at least actor
2: yeah yeah obviously everyone has an opinion and an idea around who who can play what role yeah. but it was really important to us that we actually uh, talk to someone who had more of a cultural connection such as yourself and and discuss this on the podcast without the you know these uninformed um, yeah. o- opinions coming out
1: yeah no i appreciate that so much
2: how do you feel about Alison Brie, who is an amazing actress and who plays many aspects of Diane absolutely brilliantly. But how do you feel about her voicing a Vietnamese character when she is, you know, she's a white actress? Mm.
1: I think it's really hard because I respect Alison Brie. I respect her because she's so talented and she does justice to kind of the personality traits of Diane as a character. But as an actor myself, you know when you go for when you go for auditions for like I went for auditions for I think like The Sound of Music or like Annie or something. You know where all the characters are white, but and so now you actually have an opportunity um, in screen and theater and anything to create your own content and the creators of BoJack have chosen to integrate a Vietnamese character. And what should have been a role for, you know, that could have skyrocketed a Vietnamese person's career mm. is just simply given to, you know, another talented actor. Yes, maybe she does do well for so, so many parts of Diane as a character. But nonetheless, you know, what's the point? I think I think that's the whole thing that really bugs me. It's what's the point of putting in a Vietnamese character if you're not going to cast a Vietnamese person? Because there's so many Vietnamese-American actors who want to get into this that, you know, with a single role like this could really have jump-started their career.
2: Absolutely. In in an
0: yeah. ideal world, I think it wouldn't matter. In an ideal world, we could have mm. that kind of, like you described it, colorblind casting. But unfortunately, we're not living in that world. We're living in a world that has history, that has, you know, not just a history of the the whitewashing of all of Hollywood, but also the history of uh you know western into like political and uh military intervention in so much of the east and the middle east uh and just this this huge amount of the empire which has done you know all of these kind of like you say your, your parents were refugees from the vietnam war mm. and and that was just like one of the greatest examples of american imperialization um, yes yeah, it, it was just ridiculous so you're right not having that opportunity be taken up by somebody who could have expressed that lived experience, oh, even if the character was going to be American Ford, that lived experience kind of detracts from the truth, probably more for you than it would for us. We wouldn't probably even notice it right like yeah,
1: exactly, like, it lacks the truth and it lacks genuine. What's the word I'm looking for. Genuinity. That's not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> genuineness? <laughs> yeah, it lacks genuineness. Yeah. And the real, the true essence of what it means to, you know, be Vietnamese American.
0: And it's the same way, like, if I see as, a, as an actor, when you go and you watch reproductions of what theatre is like, and you're like, oh, my, all right, t- a teacher, that's a great one. There has never been a good example of what it is like to be a teacher in media all (laughs) teachers they have a single class they spend all day with those kids and they have a heap of time just to hang out in the staff room and talk shit about each other and make out in closets like it's so far from the truth of what it's like to be a teacher and i watch these and i'm like i can barely watch them because it's so stupid just trying to bring some relativeness to it where exactly. I can see these things and I can see the flaws in them because I have experience. Yeah, You can see something like Alison Brace. I can see
1: so many flaws, it's, it's yeah. disappointing because she introduces herself as Diane and then her last name is poorly pronounced. It's the same thing with Apu in Simpsons, who's you know uh, an Indian character with an Indian accent voiced by a white man, with yeah. Missy from Big Mouth, who's a black character voiced by a white person.
2: And do you know what I mean, a, a huge issue that I identified uh, leading up to this podcast within myself? I remember messaging Ben a couple of weeks ago when Alison Bree sort of came forward and said, you know, essentially apologizing for taking on the role of Diane. Yeah. It highlighted in me that my place of privilege is so uh, innate and it, like, built into me that not once through watching BoJack, the three or four times that I've watched it, did I consider that it was problematic that Diane... uh, Sorry, that Alison Brie played Diane. Mm, And the mm. fact that... Because I like to consider myself... I'm a pretty sensitive person. I'm really open, and I'm uh, even fully aware of my privilege that I get every day because of, you know, being white. And it, it even didn't get a track on my radar until Alison herself came forward and said, hey, this could be problematic. And and it's this like almost unintentional ignorance that I think a lot of white people have that then when suddenly it is raised as a topic of conversation they get so defensive about rather than being like, oh shit, I didn't even consider that and allowing their opinions to actually be open to changing and, and listening exactly. to people who are affected by
1: it. Exactly. In the current climate, you need to be able to sit within, you know, discomfort and acknowledge why you feel uncomfortable. We all have growing and learning to do. And when people are ignorant and when people were defensive, it really shows that They don't want to learn.
2: Absolutely. And and I get infuriated as well when I see people, you know, it's that classic, like, um and i hate to compare feminism but it is relevant you know when dudes are like well if women want to be treated equal if a girl hits a guy he should be able to hit her back i see the equivalent when it comes to to racial casting is everyone's like well no one complained when the way brothers did white chicks and it's like that's like 20 years old and it's your only example of that can you name another
1: example (laughs) i'm an asian actor wanting to be represented as not just some submissive like math girl or a nerd or whatever stereotype they're placing me into these days uh, on TV. You know, I don't want to just be a side character. I want to be a main character and I want my story to be told.
0: I think also that, that um, the dog days are over the episode where, where Diane goes back to Hanoi. I I look at that in comparison to some of the deeper episodes that, that talk about Bojack's experience. Right. And Mm. if you look at them, it just doesn't have that same level of um, power that those yeah. episodes do. And I, I think agree. a big part of it, yeah. which is what Bob, Bob Waxberg, etc., himself has said, the creator, he, he said he, he regrets not having a Vietnamese writer on staff. And I actually think that's a huge issue, more so probably for me than yeah, Alison Brie as a Vietnamese person. I think that's, that's bad in itself. He
2: should have had someone that, did have that story that he at least had involved on the writing team rather than just arrogantly thinking that he had a right to make up the story without any point of reference or... Exactly.
1: You know, the amount of research you do as a white person for an ethnic person's lived experience is is just not going to be comparable at all. <laughs> yeah.
0: and it's also you not know? necessary if you just cast up a like person of that actual cultural heritage. If you cast a, you cast a Vietnamese
1: writer, if you cast a Vietnamese actor... Then you're going to get authenticity, and that's 100%.
2: That's so well put as well, because the point of acting and and the point of writing and stuff is to create authenticity. Mm. So the argument that, you know, not casting a vietnamese person in a vietnamese role doesn't work when you look at the overall desired outcome of a show like bojack which is even though the show's ridiculous diane's not a ridiculous character she's no, a character not at all. grounded in 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 her culture and her backstories and stuff
0: Although the main cast, Will Arnett, Paul F. Tompkins, Alison Brie, and Aaron Paul are all white, I will say that Bojack did do a very good job of casting people of colour in the wider group of the cast, in terms of the the recurring characters, as well as the smaller characters. There was a huge amount of uh, diversity in those spaces, so I don't know whether that was something that was done reactionary to having that core white cast yeah, um, yeah. to try and kind of say, oh, like mea culpa. I thought I would kind of, might be interesting to read through a few of the people of color, just give them a bit of a like, bit of a heads up. Like you might not have realized that these people were voiced by people of color. It's pretty cool. Anna Spanakopita, very Greek sounding name. She was voiced by Angela Bassett. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, she is too. Yeah. Flip McVicar is voiced by Rami Malek.
1: Oh yeah, that's right.
0: Guy who is Diane's boyfriend in the later final season. That was one of the best
2: characters in the show, in my opinion. <laughs> Amazing,
0: yeah. Lakeith Stanfield, Sam Richardson as Doctor Champ, Natalie Morales as the Axolotl, a love interest of Todd. Vance Wagner is Bobby Canaval. Pickles are plenty. She's voiced by Hong Chow in season five and Julia Chan in season six.
2: Did they change the voice actress?
0: Yeah, I, I didn't know that. They both did oh, an like Julia Chan did an amazing job of copying Hong Chao because I had no idea. Gina Casador, who is the co-star on Filbert, is Stephanie Beatriz.
2: That is Rosa off Brooklyn Nine-Nine.
1: Oh, that's why it's so familiar. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Speaking of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Wood oh, Charles Woodchuck. That's
2: chuck- the only
1: thing I watch, by the way. That's the <laughs> oh, only really? thing I watch. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, then for the one show you watch, you have picked a great choice. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> agree.
0: Uh, Woodchuck could Chuck Berkowitz who is voiced by Andre Brower, who is... Oh, yeah, so who is Holt. Uh, yeah, Detective... Uh, sorry, um, Captain, Captain Holt. Ooh! Stephanie Stilton, who is Ralph Stilton's mouse... Uh, Ralph's, Ralph Stilton's sister is Kamiko Glenn. Ralph Stilton himself, Raul Espaza. Corduroy Jackson Jackson is Brandon T. Jackson. Sebastian St. Clair, the Snow Leopard billionaire. That's um, Keegan-Michael Key. Ken Jong is Dr. Alan Hu. Officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face, voiced by Cedric Yarbrough. Wayne, Diane's ex-boyfriend is Wyatt Senac. Sextina Aquafina is Aisha Tyler, one of my favorite ever voice actors. Crackerjack Sugarman, Beatrice Horseman's older brother. Bojack's uncle is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh,
2: he's so great. And he's also of Brooklyn. Has he, was he in Brooklyn? Yeah, he plays Amy Santiago's brother. Oh, does he? I don't yeah. remember that.
0: Um, Hollyhock, Apana Nanchela, which is another pretty big role.
2: She has an amazingly distinct voice as well as Hollyhock. Yeah, Hawk. she's incredible. It's like yeah, she's just really, really good.
0: Smashes that role, and then yeah. that. So that's all the recurring characters, and then we have got a bunch of like side characters wow, by that's, that's you know amazing. who also are people of color.
2: I mean, it's a shame that that's something that needs to be highlighted as a positive, you know, rather than just the norm. But that's. Mm. That's it. Really, That makes me feel less after this episode where it's probably the first time I've ever talked about BoJack in even a remotely negative way because it's my favorite show by such a long amount. Yeah. But it is refreshing to go through like that and, and, and to acknowledge those actors and the amazing job they do and see that there is quite a clear level of diversity th- throughout the casting.
0: Yeah, and like we say, it's a pity it's not in the leads.
2: I yeah. know, that really makes me suddenly go, well, why... <laughs> yeah. <they> just... <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it's really hard. It's an odd dichotomy to have because it's it's something that just needs to be normalised. It shouldn't yeah. be something that need you know, is celebrated. It should be celebrated because the actors are talented, not because they are people of colour.
2: Yeah, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent, exactly. Right. Celine, and I don't mean to put you on the spot like this, but um, I I've been watching, rewatching, um, Outrageous Fortune for like the fifth time. Such a great New Zealand show, and there's a character in season one called Mister Hong, and the character he plays is a very broken English sort of, um, speaks in like three three word sentences, like really caricaturey character how do you feel about taking on a role where you would have to play sort of this white person's stereotypical version of an english-speaking asian person
1: uh i'm pretty prideful i don't think i can yeah um i think it's really immoral of me to do so because you know i'm i don't i don't know I don't know because it's it, tricky I don't, sorry i, I didn't hate, mean to just hate, no, 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 be no, that's like all can right. you
2: solve this issue <laughs> this
1: <problem? laughs> i hate i hate feeding into the stereotype you know i'm a yeah. i'm also an asian girl i don't want to feed into the stereotype of being fetishized I, I i don't think i can i don't think i can take up that role because i feel like i'm degrading myself but i don't i also don't disrespect people who do take up roles like that everyone has different lived experiences and if someone is comfortable enough with their ethnicity, with their identity, then I I don't think they shouldn't. But I just don't like feeding into that, you know, Western stereotype of Asian people. I'd love, actually, if what they could do, I don't know if this works with the show or whatever, but instead of, like, representing them as this kind of immigrant who speaks broken English, maybe an Asian character, to speak in their native tongue, to speak in Vietnamese, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, whatever. Because you can speak so well, and you're so articulate in your native tongue, and then just have the translations beneath and i don't know yeah. if that would work or whatnot. <laughs>
2: absolutely it, it's such a horrible generalization that people who speak uh you know broken english. speak english yeah unintelligent um, uh, when they're speaking a second or third language i can barely speak english properly and it's my only language exactly
1: yeah <laughs> you know? yeah my own father he came here decently early so his english is quite good but his siblings my aunties and my uncle they all speak broken english But some of them are so incredibly intelligent beyond belief. And just because they can't communicate in a language that isn't theirs, just because they've had to move to a land because of their war-torn country, you know, and and have to try and learn this completely new and foreign language, completely different from Vietnamese, it's really disappointing to see the way that, you know, New Zealand society treats people who don't speak their own language when Kiwi people don't speak Māori themselves either.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really, really good point. In fact, in fact, a lot of uh, Pakeha Kiwis are super negative about the suggestion that they should even consider learning it. And it's yeah, so disappointing.
1: Yeah. You know, you come to a, you're just like Vietnamese people who've had to flee from the Vietnam War to New Zealand. You came to a country. And you don't speak the language that the native people speak. How come people are expecting Vietnamese people or Asian people, immigrants, to learn their language when they didn't do that themselves? I I respect people who um, who choose to do what they want, and you know if people are comfortable with it, it's alright.
0: Yeah. 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 And we can't like people need to make money, you know, <laughs> like exactly. at the end of the day. That's so true. We can look down on them and, and blah poo poo them, but that's it's what's the point? Like they are people. Who are going who are in the same society that we are still struggling still trying to do what they can yep. and maybe they just need the money more you know you know in the maybe Hangover, that Ken
1: Jong plays like a character with broken English when he's obviously he's incredibly educated he went to Duke University oh, super educated. you know <laughs> he's a doctor at Duke dude. you know yeah he, he went to Duke and he's so incredibly intelligent and almost having to dumb yourself down for this role is 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 disappointing and I don't want to be i don't want to have to do that myself but i almost imagine that i will have to i can acknowledge how great the show is and how it's so it's it's just it's, it's a great show it's so perfect but i really struggle to listen and feel the struggles of diane because i know that she's voiced by a white actress yeah because i got so excited I got so so excited you know when there's a there's a Vietnamese character and I really wanted her to be authentic you know you don't have to be you know speaking Vietnamese or you don't have to be an immigrant you don't have to live in Vietnam but my lived experience as a second as a first generation Vietnamese person I just wanted that to be on screen
0: yeah Mm. so let's go back to the, the family um who are, you know, this really toxic, awful group of people. They are so starstruck by BoJack Horseman, and uh, he, they're like, do you know any Bastonites? And he says, oh, uh, you, you know, once I did reach for the same bunch of grapes as Ben Affleck, <laughs> and then, and then, like, you get that great line wow, graping it up with the daredevil himself which is yeah. so, and, so
2: good and then, then he's like, hey ma Ben Affleck eats grapes like we do and mom's yeah. like, he don't eat grapes <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and so yeah they, they decide they're gonna like Diane organizes this funeral and like, you know, I, I lost my stepdad about nearly three years ago now and that the process of arranging a funeral is is nightmarish like it is it's hard and you're dealing with you know people and you don't want to deal with people and you're trying to select a coffin and you're trying to you know get the information out to people and there's there's so much that you have to do so when she did it all and uh, even though it was kind of the least she least way she could do it it's still expensive it's still hard and then nobody turned up it was so heartbreaking for me it is
1: incredibly heartbreaking
0: that moment and then she goes and finds them and it turns out they've just thrown her dad into a blender and chummed him up and it's like oh my gosh (laughs) it's so rough um but bojack is trying to like pally pal up with these guys and he he wants to feel that family connection because we know his family sucks and kind of sees these these boys these these like proper boys and they're gonna go play touch football and have a noggie parade and stuff like that and that's what he desperately
2: <laughs> and, wants and can i just point out that they're wearing such stereotypical sports tops one says sports and yeah. the other says <laughs> ball game, <laughs> <laughs> no, the ball game one. <laughs>
0: and obviously you know, bojack eventually decides to support diane i just wanted to talk about like kind of the the, the final bit of the of the show when he says uh, family is a sinkhole and you were right to get out when you had the chance closure is a made-up thing by steven spielberg to sell
2: movies (laughs) which is yeah i wrote down that line too Ben. yeah mainly because i wanted to talk about steven spielberg but also a powerful line (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) i know it's it's so sad like that line kills me you know i love my family I, i i hate the idea that there are people out there without that support system
1: yeah, same.
0: I know you're close with your family, Ashton.
2: Yeah, my family are pretty much like a group of my best friends that I happen to be related to. Are you still? Are you living
0: at home while you're back in Auckland? I is am
1: it? indeed, and I'm very, yeah. very lucky because my, like you, Ashton, my parents are like my best friends, and so is my brother, and I also live with my grandma. But, you know, seeing <laughs> Diane's family, you know, after she leaves out in a tantrum, and then they just revert back to... Watching the watching the game, it's so sad. It's it's almost like you understand why Diane is the way she is, like one hundred percent. You see it because of how poorly her family has treated her.
2: Does anyone's opinion matter more to you than a sibling? Yes. Yeah. What about you, um, mm,
1: I feel like my my brother and my parents are on an even playing field.
2: Okay, interesting. I I raised that point because my brother's one of my best friends. Um, you know, and he's been one of my closest friends throughout my entire life. But he's also probably been the person whose opinion I care more about than just about anyone else, even when we're not seeing eye to eye. If that makes sense.
0: Well, he's your he's your he's your brother. So as a as a dude, it's possible there's a difference there because I have two older sisters, and you yeah, have true. an older brother. Is that right, Celine?
1: Yeah, I have an older brother.
0: Yeah, so I don't know whether that uh, kind of role model. Aspect of it in terms of uh, might make some difference.
2: True. I think there's that definitely. I mean, having an older brother and being a male myself, I guess that he's naturally just being a person that you look up to for 33 years of course their opinion means something i just i'm not no sorry it doesn't just mean something but is is that important and i was wondering if that was a universal sort of sibling thing or if it was more specific to like it maybe if you had an older brother Ben or Celine, you had an older sister if that was the nature of yeah i think
1: it definitely would it's but it's just because my brother and i are very separate he's not someone that not that i don't look up to but he's just he hasn't necessarily paved the path for me that I want to follow. I'm creating my new, my own, and he's creating his own. And so, yes, his um, his opinion is important to me, but it doesn't necessarily jurisdict what actions mm-hmm. I take.
0: Yeah, my sisters had moved out of home by the time I was eleven, as well. Oh wow! <laughs> so yeah, so that's
2: different again entirely. Yeah. Eh?
0: yeah, because they were fifteen and eighteen at that point, and. My middle sister; she was a bit of a wild child when she was fifteen. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I was basically living at home by myself more or less from when I was about eleven. Not by myself; I had parents. What you mean <laughs> not like by myself? I wasn't like home aloneing it. Like
2: laying I was out eleven, I cooked,
1: I cleaned, I drove, I paid the bills. <laughs>
2: Um, and when these two guys tried to break in, he had the system of paint cans hanging <laughs> from a rope yeah, yeah, and yeah. pulley,
1: and his eight-inch machete. <laughs> 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 um,
0: so yeah, I don't know. That's probably part of it as well. I think I'm like half got like half only child, half youngest child syndrome. So it's like the two worst ones kind of shoved together in one person. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we need to do something to wrap up. Uh, should we talk, should we go back to to, to, to Todd's storyline for a second? and talk about like princess caroline (laughs) in the end there because like here's a great
2: here's a great todd moment is when it cuts to a montage of tom doing stuff while he's home alone without bojack and he's made a bojack costume that he's wearing and he's dressed up the pillow as todd so he can say to pillow todd how much he loves him so so sad that that is
1: so good because it's literally like what like three seconds but it's yeah. so yeah. so good but it's so sad yeah it's like incredibly it's so sad
2: funny and so poignant at the same time. yeah i agree
1: <laughs> so funny
0: Todd shines in these in these kind of side stories I think like oh, really I mean, does. obviously his own his own main stuff is awesome as well but like these moments where he you know and then he's at the at the end and he's got all those he's trying to count all the money and he's like wow Princess Caroline I didn't know I would have so much responsibility I run out of shoe boxes for the money <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and she has this great line don't worry about me Princess Caroline always lands on, on her feet, feet.
1: yeah always <laughs> launches
2: herself through the window <laughs> it's so great
0: oh man well like we i mean i've had a i've had a really interesting great time and i've really really enjoyed having you on celine so thank you so much no uh, i'm so
1: i'm so grateful thank you so much for having me on i've I've had a great time myself
2: oh no it's been super super beneficial to have um some actual grounded perspective involved in this episode
0: yeah also, you know, you, you're not like contractually obliged to become the voice of like uh, Western Asian people. So yeah. we do appreciate you taking your time to, to like talk about it and, and walk, walk through it with us uh, um, and your emotional labor in, in that as well. So thank you. Oh, thank yeah, you so really, much. Really, really appreciate it.
1: No, I appreciate you guys being open and, you know, open to learning. And the fact that you even considered bringing someone of Vietnamese descent onto your podcast to speak about this matter is really important as well. You know, this the your your thought process on doing it is something that I respect in itself because a lot of people, oh, you. you know, even even you know BoJack Horseman creators <laughs> didn't think that far. <laughs> so yeah, I do really really appreciate it. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Great conversation, and uh, like, hope you know if we if we do another, want to delve back into this topic at any point, as as we know we may well do because Diane's a main character, um, and try and come at it from a different perspective. You know, if you'd be keen, we'll we'll drop you a line and see if you're free. If you're not back at Nida, learning to be <laughs> the,
2: you know the, the best, learning to be a successful actor, not <laughs> resorting to making podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> about successful things.
1: <laughs> I won't be back there until next year, so I'd be very happy. Just hit my line at any time.
0: Cool, awesome. sounds good. Thank you. Catch us on the Reddit, uh, on the Twitter, on the Facebook. bojackhorsefriends.com dot uh, com. Uh, what else? What else are we doing? What else do we um, do?
2: I I will make some t shirts.
0: <gasps> will you actually?
2: No, but you guys sort of <laughs> reacted so positively that now I feel like I need to.
0: <laughs> oh, Instagram. We're on Instagram now as well. Um, look, we love talking and we love doing this podcast and, and we'll do it no matter what. But if you guys want to come and and like, you can DM us just to let us know what you think. You can post it up on Twitter, or on our Reddit, whatever you like, like hashtag us, add us, whatever. Just because we really we want to know who our listeners are as well. As much as we love talking about ourselves and Bojack, we're like, we're desperate to know like who are the people who are listening to this aside from
2: like my mum. We might even give her away a couple of these (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Um, And then like, if you could drop us a
0: review on iTunes, I mean, Apple podcasts, that would be really cool. It'd be really helpful. On iTunes,
2: did we just go back 10 years, Ben? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: Uh, sorry about that. Um, my 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 apologies for not keeping up with the corporate bullshit. Yeah,
2: please, don't, <laughs> yeah. please don't illegally Lime Wire our podcast. <laughs> Get in touch. Let us know who you are,
0: and we'll like we'll respond. There's like a, if you leave a, a if you tweet us, if you've Reddit us, if you Facebook us, if you Instagram us, there is a one hundred percent chance of me responding. Um, <laughs> because even if it's like super mean, uh, I don't mind. It's
2: okay. Just not yeah, about Celine. Even Celine's cool. if you feel that you need to personally <laughs> attack Ben, he yeah. will personally reply. Yeah, and I'll send you a t-shirt. Hats.
0: And we'll send you a t-shirt. It'll be like a $5 t-shirt from like a department <laughs> it be store. It will a bunch of course friends here, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'll I'm I'm happy to be write. a
2: t-shirt. I've got plenty I can throw out. All right, and thank you again to Celine for joining us. Yes, thank you. Yeah, we'll stop thank
1: talking you shit now. so much. I've loved really it. I really appreciate it. Every second
2: of it. Uh, oh, thank you.
0: I've been Ben
1: i i I i'm ashton i have been celine too
2: (laughs) and we are the bojack horse friends i haven't been celine but i've heard it's pretty awesome (laughs) why can you never just sign off why do (laughs) you always have to do this i always have to ruin our sign off (laughs) Say,
0: uh bye bye